from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, gang. Welcome to Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Another awesome episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief. I hope you're ready, buckled in, ready for the latest cybersecurity uh, headlines and news and really what it means to practitioners. Um, a different show today, a little bit, slightly, what I'll say. So yesterday, I forgot to mention this, and I don't know, you know, it's because I haven't done CISO Talk for so long, but I had George Feeney on the show yesterday for the CISO Talk podcast. We talked about his new book, Project Zero Trust and Zero Trust All Together. You don't want to miss it. You can catch it on our YouTube channel or uh, find CISO Talk on your favorite podcast listening platform. You don't want to miss that conversation with George. We really had a great time talking a lot of really smart nuggets around Zero Trust, his journey of writing the book. The book itself is just fascinating. I couldn't put it down once I started reading it. Um, so it was uh, uh, absolutely brilliant. Good morning to Bob and David. Yes, the music has you bumping this morning. The point of the music, you know, as we get ready for the show is to bump you all up too, right? Give you a little bit of just good news, a little bit of just positive energy uh, before you start your day. Uh, security has a lot of uh, a lot of wear and tear a lot of burnout. So uh, if I could be just a, a, a slimmer of motivation in the morning, I, I, I hope to be able to accomplish that. Let's get into this morning's show. But before we do that, grab your morning beverage, whether it be coffee, tea, water, Celsius, Red Bull, whatever you enjoy, and join me in a coffee cup. Cheers. Again, cyberpodcast.com. You can find all of our content, all of our podcasts there. We've been talking about the VMware ESXi args attacks that have been going on. Well, CISA just released an open source tool that could help some victims of the recent ransomware attacks recover their files. Um, the attackers, were, which were leveraging the vulnerability to, de to deploy fire file encrypted malware that targets VMs. The technical details of CVE 2021-219-74 have been around for nearly two years. No indication of in the while exploitation has been observed until really, really recent. VMware is warning users to take action, noting that there is no evidence that the zero-day vulnerability has been involved in the ESXi args attacks. It's simply the fact that people have not patched their systems. So if you are held by ransomware, uh, there's a free tool by CISA available, um, and you can find all the links in the show notes um, or on our website or our YouTube channel and, and see them there, as well as on our uh, CyberHub Podcast LinkedIn page. So all of that is there. A new CAC note attack is pushing the QBot malware through Microsoft OneNote. The very, very popular app for many Microsoft enthusiasts is now an attack vector. Who would have thunk it? The QBot that's been around, I think, since 2014, 13, something along those lines, is now got a new campaign dubbed CAC note. It's been observed in the wild since at least last week. It's using malicious OneNote.1 attachments to infect systems with banking trojans. QBot, which itself was a banking trojan, evolved into a malware. It's looking to get initial access to devices, enables to load additional malware and compromised machines, and perform data stealing, ransomware, and activities across the entire network. The OneNote attachment and phishing emails emerged last month as a new attack vector to replace malicious macros in Office documents that Microsoft disabled in July leaving threat actors with fewer options to execute code on target devices. You're not leaving them fewer options. You're just opening other ones. And so if Word and Excel don't work, they'll go to OneNote. And if OneNote doesn't work, they'll go to SharePoint. And if SharePoint doesn't work, they'll go to something else. And they'll, they'll just keep going until 
you can't attach anything to an email or we find a better way of looking at malware beyond signatures and attachments beyond signatures. So a lot of research on, on QBot. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not going to bore you with the details here. Here's a few things to understand. It's been around for a while. It evolves. It's able to kind of hide in plain sight in some cases. Um, best way to look at this uh, payload is to one, uh, get your security operations team and your analyst up to speed on how QBot operates. Do a threat assessment of the QBot attack threat vectors and understand if your business or your supply chain could be part of this. And if they are, then it's worthwhile to maybe not allow one note to be shared or only allow one note to be shared internally, only through internal domains and nothing from external domains, et cetera. Uh, that, that could be a few different ways to mitigate the risk to your organization. Um, you know, blocking a dot one file extension all, all in all is, is if, if, if it's not a popular attachment in your business is, is, is one way um, or finding out uh, maybe having them shared through SharePoint or, or, or OneDrive could be another. Another banking Trojan is targeting the 100M Pix payment platform in Brazil. Now, this is an extremely popular payment platform that's been created by and operated by the Brazil Central Bank. It's used to make instant payments across Latin America using a variety of banks and currencies. It's essentially kind of like think of Zelle or Venmo uh, for Latin America. Um, they've been tracking a group, uh, the Pix Pirate Brazilian Banking Trojan, since late of last year. They released a report this week detailing the intention to steal credentials and deploy Snowthworthy automatic transfer system used to make automatic fraudulent money transfers. Additionally, by abusing accessibility services, Pix Pirate also has the flexibility to steal credentials and launch ATS attacks across multiple bank user interfaces using the platform. Now, why do we bring this up on this morning's show? Obviously, I don't speak Portuguese, meaning if you don't work in Brazil, we do have some listeners in Brazil, but this goes into a greater kind of approach into these instant payments. So as the world becomes more evolved, as we want to be able to utilize our uh, financial, our finances instantly to, to make payments, to, to be able to use that money, credit cards, instant issuance, peer-to-peer um, -peer money transfers through Venmo or Zelle or others, the attackers are going to continuously use that mechanism in order to target the bank. So if you're in financial services and fraud operations operates under your umbrella, this is probably keeping you awake at night a whole lot more sometimes than just, you know, your, your, your vulnerability management program. Unfortunately, be just simply because of the financial, this has a direct financial impact on the organization, on the customer, on the reputation. And, and, and it's really got a, a snowball and, and, and trickle down effect, these kinds of attacks. So there's a few things that need to be kind of taken in here. You can no longer, you, you've got to look at identity beyond just a customer logging in instantaneously to make a payment. You've got to look at identity from a machine base, activity base, interaction base, history base, and, and add authentication factors in there in order to reduce the risk to the organization, in order to reduce the risk to the customer. And you've got to make it user-friendly. And that's something that that we as security practitioners struggle with a lot. We want to secure our organization. And a lot of times we add these speed bumps and these speed bumps create really bad user experiences and people find a workaround. 
So the, the, the challenge here is how do you do this, you know, introspective of what you're trying to do? How do you make it so that it's easy for the user, it's easy for the employee, and it's easy for the business to deploy, maintain, access, and, 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 and give it credence? And, and, you know, that's a problem I tried to solve in my last role, and I'm sure it'll be a problem many financial organizations are looking to solve here um, and now, especially with the instantaneous of these payments. And that's why I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention this morning. This is significant. A Russian man has pled guilty to laundering the Ryok ransomware money. A Russian citizen by the name of Denis Dubinikinov pled guilty on Tuesday to laundering money for the notorious Ryok ransomware group for over three years. The plea comes after Dubikinov, a former crypto exchange executive and co-founder of the crypto trading platform Coyote Crypto and Exchange, was arrested in Amsterdam in November of 2021, extradited to the U.S. in August of 2022. He made his first appearance in federal court in Portland. One day after the extradition, he's now pled guilty. From that point, Dubikinov and 13 other accomplices have all participated in money laundering activities and proceeds from the Riot ransomware attack essentially started in 2018 and went to 2021. Um, Riot is a former ransomware as a service. They're still, you know, kind of, we talked about Conti yesterday. They kind of switched around. They rebranded a whole, a whole slew of things going on there. So according to the superseding indictment, victims paid the Riot ransom in the form of Bitcoin to private wallets. The co-conspirators involved in the money laundering scheme divided the payments into smaller amounts than the transferred the ransoms to various other private wilds, essentially making it so that it was really hard for law enforcement to capture the ransom payment quickly. Or if they did, they captured small bits and pieces there. Um, eventually, most of the currency was exchanged to, guess what, Chinese RMNB. So, again, China is an integral part of this whole ransomware operation. It serves their national interest and their global interest by essentially having more people use Chinese RMB, especially on the cybercrime side. Hopefully that'll lead to more organization doing so. If he's found guilty, um, um, he could face up to 20 years of federal imprisonment, three years of supervised release, um, and he will be sentenced on April 11th. So he's facing up to 20 years. Probably the plea deal will get him out in five, but we'll see about that. We'll move to North Korea. North Korea has been on the move, and we've got two back-to-back stories here on North Korea. One is this first one using the unpatched Zimbra devices to spy on researchers. The Lazarus Group, which is the kind of main cyber arm and the notorious cyber arm for the North Korean government, is in an effort to exploit unpatched Zimbra devices to steal intelligence from a collection of public and private medical and energy sector researchers. Analysts with W Labs explained in a new report that due to the overlap in technique and thanks to a misstep by one of the threat actors, they were able to attribute it with high confidence the recent round of cyber incidents against unpatched Zimbra devices as the work of the Lazarus Group. And so apparently they hired an intern as uh, CEOs or CIOs or CISOs would like to say after a breach. It was an intern who did it. Uh, the researchers named the campaign No Pineapple after an error message generated by the malware during their investigation. The threat actors quietly exfiltrated about 100 gigabytes worth of data without waging any disruptive cyber operation or, or destroying information. Part of kind of like the overall North Korean strategy when it comes to information, get it and sell it without letting people know that you got it. Uh, it's how they operate and how they're financed by China. China spearheads that uh, all the way through. And the North Korean uh, government has been responsible for a record-breaking virtual asset heist last year 
estimated to be anywhere between 630 million to more than 1 billion, according to UN experts. The panel of experts said in a wide-ranging report seen on Tuesday by AP that the attackers used increasingly sophisticated techniques to gain access to, to digital networks involved in cyber finance, steal that information that could be useful in North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile programs from government individuals and companies, and with growing tensions on the Korean Peninsula, and as well with China. The report said that North Korea continues to violate UN sanctions. No, no surprise there. The UN is really a gutless organization that has no meaning outside of just it makes people feel good that people are sitting in a room, but name the last time the UN has done anything meaningful. I won't hold my breath waiting for an answer because it does not exist. Uh, the UN has, has long been uh, just a big building in, in New York uh, with a bunch of diplomats there talking, shaking hands, giving out speeches, and but, but really it hasn't brought any sort of changes. There's no accountability on behalf of the UN, neither to what happened in Syria, uh, what, what happens in North Korea, China, uh, Russia, or Ukraine, or anywhere, now, anywhere else. The, they're, they're fairly uh, just there. I guess some conversations better than none, but well, that, that, that's to be said. According to the panel of South Korean authorities uh, who quote, were quoted in media reports, they say that the DPRK threat actor stole virtual assets around worth around 1.2 billion globally since 2017, including nearly more than half just last year all alone. And what the North Koreans do, they steal the crypto, they turn it into RMB, sell it to the Chinese, Chinese give them cash. And so, you know, the say the Chinese took a 10% hit on that. So, so they, you know, take away 6.3 mil. Not, not too bad of a payday. So the panel said that the three groups that are part of the Reconnaissance General Bureau, North Korea's primary foreign intelligence organization, continue to elicit target generate revenue for the government that's been under sanctions for so long that this is the only way they can generate any sort of revenue. So the North Koreans are on the move and something to keep in mind. And by the way, something great to, to share uh, at a board meeting um, or just a great talking point with your executives across the company talking about the North Korean activities and then potentially how that could impact your business. That's it for our show today. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. Go check out that Sissel Talk episode with George Feeney. You don't want to miss it. Get his book. The link is in the show notes uh, for his book from yesterday's episode, Project Zero Trust. You can't put that book down once you start reading it. I promise you that. Great rest of your day. And most importantly, gang, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.